Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Well, I want you to turn with me again, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's where I left off, and uh, having found 2 Chronicles chapter 7, you may want to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and just kind of hold your place there. I want to thank, I have heard wonderful reports on the services shepherded by Pastor Joe. Ministry of the Word by Emmanuel Mars, Jeremiah Castile. I've heard wonderful reports on the services. I am grateful for you men and for the great ministry that you had. It blesses me. What blesses me more than anything is for the services to go to a new level when I'm gone. That doesn't bother me at all. That blesses me mightily. And I am so grateful for the great reports that I've had on the services, and thanks to all of you for your prayers and support, and for Emmanuel and Jeremiah and Pastor Joe and this wonderful praise team God has given us. Last time, you remember, we talked about the house of prayer, and I reminded you that um, Solomon built a house that David had been forbade by God to build, but he built a magnificent house. It was indescribable, its beauty. And upon the occasion of the dedication of that, he prayed himself. You can read about that in Second Chronicles for several chapters. And then in chapter 7 in verse 1, we find out that when Solomon the king had humbled himself and prayed mightily for this house that was dedicated, that the glory of the Lord fell, his mighty presence. The glory is manifested presence. Glory means that which can be expressed of something that in and of itself is unseen. The glory of electricity is light. It is the manifestation of an unseen agent or entity. Glory is the manifestation of God's presence. The Bible says that the earth declare, the heavens declare the glory of God. You look up there in those heavens and you see an outward expression of an unseen God. Glory is that tangible expression of an intangible essence. So the glory of the Lord, His mighty presence, filled the temple. We find out that something was going on at that time. Verse 4, the king and the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. I want you to think about that word, sacrifice. They offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls 
and 120,000 sheep. Would it be accurate to say that blood was flowing everywhere? Remember in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system had as its intention to be a reminder of the righteous character of God, to be a reminder of a a God who was, although totally righteous, and although a reminder that man was sinful, it was to be a reminder that this was a God who showed mercy and showed grace. He was a God of love. We find throughout the scripture that sacrifice was, was offered unto God recognizing that he alone is perfectly holy and totally righteous, but he's also a God of mercy. And the, the sacrificial system was to give thanks and glory and honor to a God like that. And in the Old Testament, these sacrifices were pointing to the fact that they, they allowed God to cover sin. But in God's perfect timing, there was born His Son, who was the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And now, sins were not covered anymore. They were remitted. The Old Testament sacrificial system, people looked forward to what God would do one day for their sin. This side of the cross, now you and I look back to what happened at the cross to what God has done about sin. You understand that? Sins are not covered anymore. They are remitted. They are totally paid for and wiped out. The Bible says that this side of the cross, our sins and our lawless deeds, he will remember no more. They've been paid for. They've been remitted. Notice there in verse 11, when Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, verse 12, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and listen, I have chosen this place for myself as a house of what? As a house of what? I have chosen this. Remember last time I talked to you about the house of prayer. If you go on down there, you see God gives us a formula for healing our land, forgiving our sins and healing our land. It's still in place. If my people, verse 14, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land, that which concerns them. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Verse 16, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there. How long? 
Remember last time we said that the dedication of the temple, God said, this place will be in my eyes and my ears and my heart will be on this house forever. The house of prayer. We find out in the prophets that that temple was forever given a label. This is a house of prayer. The house of prayer was established. We just read it. We understand that the house of prayer had been violated. When Jesus, the very week that he was crucified, Jesus came into the temple and he saw all kind of things going on in the temple besides what it was designed for. Remember what Jesus said? He overturned the money changers. He drove them out and he said, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer. You have made it a den of your own entertainment for your own gain. It is time for the body of Christ to recognize that Jesus is still provoked when his house is not focused on prayer. You say, Pastor, we have too long prayer meetings in here. We take too much time for prayer. Well, you better get used to it. This is a house of prayer. It was violated. But we also found out that the house of prayer was relocated. It's not in a physical building that you visit anymore. 1 Corinthians 6 says, verse 19, do you not know that your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? We found out in 1 Timothy 3.15 that the gathered body, the body of believers right here, the, the, the church is called the house of the living God, not the building, but the people. So not only individually, but corporately gathered, this is a house of prayer. And may God have mercy on us if this house ever ceases to be a house of prayer and becomes some kind of entertainment deal. Amen. Amen. We found out last time that there is a high priest over the house of prayer. <laughs> we found out in Hebrews 10 that if the high priest, the Lord Jesus, is over the house of prayer, it means that the high priest is looking over what's going on in the house of prayer. Can I ask you something? Since your body is now the house of prayer, since there is a high priest, the Lord Jesus, who's looking into your inner man to see and hear what you're praying about, how's it going in there? How's it going in there? Is the house of prayer full of distractions? Has it left its love and focus? Has your inner man, which is the house of prayer, what is it like in there? It has worry oh, taken the place of faith? Has fear driven out confidence and joy? What is going on in the house of prayer? 
That's my inner man. That's your inner man. And the high priest, there is a high priest over, looking over the house of prayer. His eyes and his heart are perpetually in the house of prayer. How's it going in there? The good news is the Bible says that we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weakness. But one who was tempted in all points, just like we are, yet never sinned. Therefore, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. God knows when you're struggling in there. God knows when there's more pain than there is joy. God knows when it's so difficult you can hardly breathe. And the Bible says he doesn't, meet you, he doesn't beat you up. That there is a high priest who is touched by what touches you. And he will intercede for you. And I love Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 28. We do not know how to pray as we should. For then the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, the one who is over the house of prayer, the high priest, he knows what the mind of the Spirit is who also intercedes for you according to the will of God. Oh, what a promise. The Holy Spirit in you is searching out every issue that's going on. He knows everything that's going on. He knows everything that's going on in you and outside of you. He knows all of that. But you have a high priest who, who is listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes the voice of the Holy Spirit is not understood by your natural mind. You don't even know how to pray as you should. But the Spirit makes groanings too deep for words. And the, the Lord Jesus, your high priest, intercedes for you according to what the Spirit is saying, according to the will of God. Hallelujah. What a promise. What a promise. So we see that not only is your inner man a house of prayer? It is a house of sacrifice. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 with me, please. Hebrews chapter 10. Beginning with verse 19. How many of you know that sacrifice requires bloodshed? Therefore, brethren, having boldness, verse 19, to enter the holiest, that is the very presence, the very presence of God Almighty. Having boldness. You don't have to try to weasel your way in there. You don't have to try to do enough good things that you can get his attention. You're already there. Having boldness to enter the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, that is, he through the veil, that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. Everybody say, that's me. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience 
and our bodies washed with pure water. What does that mean, Pastor? The Bible talks about the washing of water with the Word. That is that Word that is alive on the inside of me, the blood of Jesus and the Word of God. Let us come, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us draw near, because blood has shed. What does that mean? Right now, are you listening to me? Once a year in the Old Testament, the high priest, as I said earlier, could go in with the, with, with the most spotless blood he could find of an innocent animal and offer a sacrifice for the sins once a year of the people. But the Bible says once and for all, the Holy Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, who lived in perfect obedience to his Father for your sin and for mine, once and for all, he entered the very throne room of God with his own blood. And let me tell you something, right now, right now, in the presence of God Almighty, there is the Lord Jesus who took his blood to the throne room of God, and that blood right now is bearing witness that you belong there. Not on the basis of anything you have done or ever could do, but on the basis of what God has done for you through Jesus. It is glorious and marvelous grace that lifted me. Did you know that? The blood of Jesus is bearing witness for you right now before the very throne of God saying about you, his sins, her sins, I will remember no more. Not only that, but I have declared them holy and righteous and blameless and accepted and forgiven. So you know what I'd do if I were you? The Bible says that the devil is an accuser of the brethren. The next time he accuses you of sin, I'd go right before the throne of God and saying, the blood of Jesus is bearing testimony before God's present right now that I'm holy and righteous and blameless as a gift of God's grace. Amen. There is blood bearing witness right now that you have a right to enter that holy place. You have the right to be there. You have the right to take your petitions before the throne of grace. There is one who is over the high priest who is interceding for you, who has made you absolutely welcome there. And don't let anything, no devil of hell, no lie of the flesh, or no religious Garbage that somehow you got to work yourself into the right standing. You are in right standing by the blood of Jesus and nothing else. Nothing else. And I got some good news for you. You don't have, the enemy has no authority over you anymore because of the blood of Jesus. Turn left from Hebrews and go to the book of Colossians with me, please. Go to chapter 2 in the book of Colossians. When I was teaching on the Lord's table, 
I pointed out this scripture to you about the power of receiving that which represents the blood of Jesus. In verse 13, chapter 2 of Colossians, in you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. How many of you know you were born physically alive but spiritually dead? He, Jesus, is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all, all trespasses. Everybody say it with me. I have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus of all my sin. Having wiped out, verse 14, the handwriting of requirements that it was against us, all God's righteous laws, they were all against us. We had all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Those requirements that were against us, he has wiped them out and he has taken away, taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And look what happened when he nailed it to the cross, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. What in the world does that mean? You remember when you were a child and you made fun of somebody? <laughs> oh, I better not do that. <laughs> I get under the anointing and I forget a lot of things. Woo. You hear it now in college. Nah, 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 nah. I don't think that's real good. When Jesus, that innocent Lamb of God, not only died but was raised from the dead, and when he ascended from the Mount of Olives, when he ascended right straight through the clouds to take his seat at the right hand of the Father, Every principality, every demonic spirit under the headship of Satan, in all the atmosphere, on the earth, under the earth, above the earth, every principality, every power saw him raised from the dead and ascended the right hand of the Father, and there was not one thing they could do about it. He disarmed their power forever. The only way you can be defeated is if you get deceived and start cooperating with the enemy because he has removed, Jesus has removed all of his rights and authority over you. You have got to act in negligence, unbelief, or willful sin to partner with the, with the evil one because his power has been broken by the cross, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleansed you from all sin and removed the enemy's authority over you. Now turn to the last book of the New Testament, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, please. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. From the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him, the Lord Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What, did, what happened there when he washed us from our sins? He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Do you know what? When God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see a dirty, rotten sinner that's never worth anything. He sees now, because you're washed in the blood of Jesus, he sees a king and a priest. A king because he's given you dominion that you will succeed by his grace with anything you've got to go through on this earth. He has made you an overcomer and a priest because he's put in your heart that you are the house of God. And out of that house, there is to be a house of prayer. You are to be an intercessor. But you're also to remember that this is a what? House of sacrifice. What in the world does that mean? What, what, what does that mean? Okay, turn to Revelation chapter 12. Some people say, oh, this is just talking about the last days. Let me tell you, there are things that are talking about the last days that are principles that are forever this side of the cross. The Bible says that the accuser of our brethren, verse 10, chapter 12, the accuser of our brethren, everybody say that's the enemy. You ever get accused by the devil? Oh, you're never going to amount to anything. You can't do that. What makes you think you're so? The accuser of our brethren who accused them, accused them, past tense, before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to the death. You say, Pastor, that's talking about some future time, and it is, but I want to tell you it's also talking about present time. That means that the accuser of the brethren, what we just read in Colossians, all he has been disarmed by the blood of Jesus. He's been made a public spectacle through the ascension of Jesus. How do I overcome him? By the blood of the lamb has it been shed. Where is it bearing witness? Huh? In heaven. But you know what 1 John 5 says? There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, that is the living Word, the Lord Jesus, and the Spirit. There's three that bear witness on the earth, too. The Spirit, the water, the Word, and the blood. So there is bearing witness right now in heaven before the throne of God, the blood of Jesus. Not only does it make you worthy to be there and to give you a place of intercession, but the Word says that the blood also bears witness on earth that the victory has been won, that the devil cannot have final authority over you, that the accuser of the brethren will lose his power over you by the blood of Jesus. And remember, the blood has already been shed, but has it been applied? 
But the application of the blood is not automatic. Remember, on Passover night, what did God say? He said, I want you to take the blood of an innocent animal, an innocent lamb, and I want you not to just have the blood, I want you to apply it over the doorposts and lintels of your home. So that when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Pass over. It's not enough for the blood to be shed. It has to be applied. Pastor, how do I apply the blood of Jesus over my life and those in my, in my family, those in my, in my business, over the affairs of my life? You have to recognize that that blood is bearing witness in heaven. It will bear witness on earth that the enemy is defeated. And you have to, by faith, believe the word. And you have to release the power of the word through the words of your mouth. It's not automatic. You say, I don't know about that. Well, I do. Romans 10 says, if you will believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. For with the heart you believe, but with the mouth confession is made, leading to the manifestation of your salvation. The blood has been shed. Why don't you believe it and apply it? There's only one shedding of blood, but there are multiple applications of the blood. There's not a day in my life that I can ever remember that having this revelation now that I don't apply by faith and the words of my mouth, the, word, the blood of Jesus over the circumstances and situations of my life and yours as well. Are you applying the blood of Jesus? It's bearing witness. But the word says that not only is it bearing witness in heaven, but the blood bears witness on the earth. You don't hear much preaching on the blood much anymore, do you? God have mercy on us. The blood of Jesus is an essential, an essential not only for your salvation, but for your well-being and protection and victory. Well, I've applied the blood of Jesus, Pastor, and it doesn't seem to be working. Persist. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with the blood of Jesus, I assure you of that. Persist. Let me close with this. Go back to the left, please, to Hebrews chapter 13. So the blood of Jesus has been applied. The blood of Jesus has been applied. It is bearing witness in heaven. It is sufficient. You started this by saying, this, my inner man is a house of sacrifice. I am to recognize the blood of Jesus. Yes, but there's something else that we're to do. Chapter 13, the last chapter in the book of Hebrews, 
Verse 15, therefore, by him, that is by Jesus, our high priest, let us continually offer the sacrifice of what? Let us continue. How often? Continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. What is a sacrifice? We are to honor the blood of Jesus, but our sacrifice in the house of sacrifice is that we are to give a sacrifice of praise. The ultimate sacrifice has already been given. We are to offer a sacrifice of praise. You know, I've been doing this a long time, and I know by my own experience and by the experience of those I lead, uh, that I love and lead, nothing makes people more uncomfortable than worship and praise. When I first started coming in to the free expression of worship and praise, it was totally foreign to me, and uh, I wanted to kind of get myself out of Dodge. I walked out of a time one time when, you know, people, I get out of a service where people are clapping their hands or worshiping the Lord or raising the hands. I thought somebody ought to call on them. They were raising their hand. It was, I had never seen anything like that. And I said, God, what is God? Why do I feel so weird? And the Holy Spirit said to me, it is interesting, isn't it, Steve, that you are so uncomfortable when people are enjoying my presence the way they are. And that just says to that, that says this to me about you, Steve, that you are only comfortable with your own expression of praise and worship, and you really haven't gotten to that place to where you actually enjoy my presence because it's not like something you've experienced. And I said, Lord, it was amazing how those people seemed to enjoy your presence. And because I was uncomfortable meant that I guess I have an issue. And the Spirit said to me, it's all about pride because you want to be in control and you will never learn to really worship me as long as you insist on being in control. Now, that doesn't have anything to do now with spiritual disorder. No, we're not putting up with that. Uh-uh. What is spiritual disorder? It's when you come into a place and somebody desires and succeeds at becoming the center of attention instead of the Lord Jesus. We don't do that. And if you want pastor to have to come and tell you now, we don't, you don't do that. Then you start doing some things like I've seen before, people doing all these crazy things that, look, the Bible says clap your hands, all you people. The Bible says you can shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. The Bible says that you can kneel before the Lord, your God, your maker. The Bible says you can lift holy hands unto the Lord. It's repeatedly in the scriptures. The Bible says you can lift your head in an offering of sacrifice and praise. The Bible says that your praise can be, 
can be loud. And, 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 and you see, I have seen, not here, wouldn't last long here, I can tell you that right now. I've seen people hopping around like a frog and others looking around at them like, well, bless his heart, he's just praising the Lord. No, he's not. He's acting like a frog. Uh-uh. Well, what if the Spirit told him to do that? We don't have frog spirits in here. This is the most diverse group I've ever pastored. We've got people from Catholic, Episcopal, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, every I don't care one bit about any of that. We all have things that we have experienced that seem right and true to us. What blesses me about this faith family is that there is a true and honest pursuit of the heart of God and the fruit of our lips giving praise and honor and thanksgiving blesses the heart of God. It is a sacrifice of praise. When I get into praise and the fruit of my lips giving thanks, why is that a sacrifice? Because it cuts into my pride, my arrogance. It is saying, I am not going to let anything stop me from worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. It is a sacrifice of praise. And I want to tell you all something. I've been doing this a long time. We have never had, I've never seen a more gifted and faithful praise team. People who can take us right before the throne and give us the opportunity, the fruit of our lips giving thanks. The presence of the Holy Spirit falls in this place every single time we come together and begin to offer a sacrifice of praise. So let me ask you this. Are you offering a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks in your personal walk? Has that become something that you do constantly? This is not something you do once a week. This is a lifestyle. Have you developed a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving? God says, that's the sacrifice that I'm looking for from you. I'm not asking you to get everything right. I'm not asking you to avoid all hurt or pain. I'm not asking you. I just am asking you to offer the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. It is a lifestyle. Thank you, Jesus. Well, and the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We'll develop that at a later time. I want you to bow your heads with me, please. Would you say with me, in your own heart, would you just pray in your own spirit, man? God, give me revelation of my inner man being a place of sacrifice. And I decide, Lord, that I will be 
a house of sacrifice, a house of prayer that I will offer unto you continually as a lifestyle. Praise and worship and thanksgiving. Thank you for a place to gather and offer praise and worship where people enjoy your presence. Where with all the diversity of our background, there's only one thing that really matters, and that's the unity that is in the Son and the Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, how we praise you. And what can wash away my sin? Say it with me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can from sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not the deeds that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Say it with me. Mighty God, I hereby proclaim that the blood of Jesus has been shed on my behalf. I receive my payment from sin. I am fully remitted from my sin by the blood of Jesus. I hereby declare that the blood of Jesus is bearing witness in heaven on my behalf that I am welcome, that I have a right to enter the holy place by that blood and thereby to receive intercession from the Lord Jesus, my high priest. And I can make known, and I will make known my request, knowing that I have a high priest who is touched by what touches me. I hereby proclaim that the blood of Jesus has been shed for me, that the power of the enemy has been broken over me. I hereby apply by faith the blood of Jesus over my life over my family, over my relationships, over my business, I hereby proclaim that the blood of Jesus is off limits to the evil one that he has defeated. The accuser of the brethren is cast down by the blood of Jesus in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.